Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 341 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Touched by Type 1 and the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You can find out more at touchedbytype1.org and contournextone.com. Today's show is with Daria. She's a young woman living with type 1 diabetes who's uh, far away from home going to college. Oh, I mean university. No, you'll figure it out. Daria's a big fan of the show. She's heard every episode, and I know that right now she is giggling somewhere, listening to her name being said at the beginning of an episode. But she gave an incredible interview that is very informative and entertaining and, I thought, a lot of fun. While you're listening, I'll need you to remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I'd also like you to remember that juiceboxdocs.com exists. So if you have a great diabetes practitioner, doctor, endocrinologist, nurse practitioner, a place where you go where they really get you, a place that you would want other people who listen to this podcast to know about, go to juiceboxdocs.com and send in that information. It's a beautiful, ever-growing list of doctors who get what you want. Hi, I'm Daria. I've been a type 1 diabetic for 15 years. I am a student in the UK, um, and I'm also a personal trainer. All right. Student in, wait, wait, let me get this right, in university? Yes, exactly. I am in university, and I'm in my placement year. So we do two years of studying, then we go on to like a work year, basically. So when you're working and then you come back and do um, your last year and your dissertation. Interesting. So that the last year includes the dissertation? Yes, it does. Very nice. Unfortunately, <laughs> it does. <laughs> well, you're going to have to do it eventually. So at least it's at the end. Yeah. What's your, um, your focus? Uh, focus in terms of what I study? Yeah. Um, so I do management with marketing. Um, I was hoping it would be mostly marketing, but it's mostly management. Um, yeah, so that's it, really. Business kind of degree. How how does it how did it shift from what you were hoping it would be? You had an idea that that the that the sessions at the school would go one way, and they've kind of gone the other way, or you've moved in that direction? No, um, it's basically more or less a set degree. So we have only a few modules that we choose. And it was just the way it's structured. There's not a lot of marketing in in the whole um, marketing. kind of syllabus. <laughs> I got yeah, you. I got you. Not a lot of marketing in that marketing. Well, yeah, but you know, you study like on your own and do things on your own, so still I, learn a lot. I would say too that your third year probably you can sort of choose the course of what you want to go out into the world with, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Excellent. That's excellent. Okay, so. Uh, because I got all caught up in my excitement about remembering to call it university and not college, <laughs> I forget how long you've had diabetes and how old you are. So could you tell me real quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 20 now. Um, I was diagno diagnosed at four. Four. So it's been like 15, 16 years now. Okay. And when you were diagnosed, were you still in Russia? 
Um, I was in Russia, but uh, when I got diagnosed, my parents got all panicky and we went to Finland because apparently Finland has the best type 1 diabetic care, well, or had at the time. You know, um, so we went, yeah, go ahead. Well, Daria, I was going to say, um, that's really, uh, <laughs> that's good for the people in America who are like, I can't believe I have to drive an hour to a good endocrinologist. Your parents, your parents, <laughs> your parents left Russia and went to Finland to find good no, care. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a good decision because Russia is, um, yeah, and it's not the best and it's good medical care, but you, I, you will always trust it. So a lot of people who can do it, they go either to Germany for their different medical conditions or whatever, mm -hmm. or elsewhere. Well, Russia is good at a lot of things. I mean, they're running Facebook, right? So, you know, it's going good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they've got their own one. It's called Telegram, um, <laughs> if you know that one. No kidding. Um, and it's apparently, yeah, apparently they can't track you from it. Well. Are you saying we're being tracked right now? Because I feel sometimes yeah, like I'm being are. watched. We're always being tracked. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing. And at the same time, if they knew what I was doing, I feel like they'd be so incredibly bored, they'd stop paying attention. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't think so, Scott. You're not doing yourself enough justice. What will you do? I don't know. You didn't see me this morning doing the dishes and watering plants. So, Well, how do you know I haven't? <laughs> <laughs> True enough. True enough. Uh, so there you go. So you were born in, are you a Russian citizen or how does that work when you move around? Uh, I am a Russian citizen, but um, I was born in the UK. Um, I lived here for four years. Then my parents moved uh, because of work back to Russia. So I did move with them when I was, uh, when I was, I think, I lied to you actually. I was diagnosed when I was five. Um, and um yeah, I moved when I was four, and that's what happened. You'll see that I, I stopped myself from calling the age of your diagnosis fake news. I just stopped myself right there, and we, we're going to still go. So you were diagnosed at, <laughs> you were diagnosed at five. Um, yeah. Okay, so your parents, born in Russia, moved to the UK for work. You're born in the UK, moved back to Russia for work. You get diagnosed. You guys go to Finland. You're not living in Finland, well, though, right? We didn't go. To, we went there for like a week or two just to get things sorted, kind Got, of. Gotcha. So, yeah, it was just literally I I got admitted into hospital there, and we stayed there sort of to learn the whole um, what diabetes was, basically. Excellent. Your accent is is brilliantly blended between the two places that you've lived. It's really interesting. Really? It's yeah. very interesting because English don't hear Russian in it at all. They hear American or Canadian. Um, and the Americans hear Russian and English. Yeah, I hear I hear the um I hear the end of the word feels Russian to me, but a lot of your phrasing is is from the UK. So okay. um, I'm enjoying myself. All right. So here you are, five years old. Um, I'm just going to, in my head, you know, build a picture of you freezing to death in the, in the tundra of Russia. I'm sure you live right in the middle of a city, but that's okay. For my, for my purposes, you lived on the side of a, a slight embankment in a, in a lean to, and, uh, and you're, you're, you're living. You know, your I do actually live in the side of an embankment. <laughs> how do you know? I'm, you know how I know that, right? Well, of course, yeah. um, it's Facebook. Yeah, through Facebook, I can see everything. Anyway, so you're growing up, growing up in Russia with diabetes, I, I'm dying to know, like, what's, is it like you hear people talking about on the podcast? And everyone, Dario has a, a real insight. She's heard every episode of the podcast. So I'm, I'm interested to see if there's, uh, first of all, why you don't, why you have so much free time when you're in, in university. And, and secondly, if you see any 
huge differences or similarities between sort of the American stories you hear and your your experience? Oh, um, well, in terms of how you get medication, guys, it's insane because in UK, um, I you probably know this from people you've spoken to sure. in UK. We are on the national health uh, care system, mm-hmm. so we get all our medications free. Um, I've got the um, continuous flash glucose monitor, um, the Libre thing, mm-hmm. um, and I get it free as well, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, I get my insulin for free, um, and it's just, I'm super grateful for it. There's okay. nothing I'm more grateful for than that. Um, but in Russia, uh, we had to buy it all. So um, we don't even need a prescription there, really, to buy it. So we can just sort of go to a, a drugstore and uh, get insulin and needles. And yeah, there you go. Okay, so Use it as you please. So you realize that from growing up watching American television, my imagination was that three guys all named Sergey pulled up in a dark sedan and your parents traded them toilet paper for insulin or something. You're telling it you none of it went like that at all. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> nope. Yeah. See, I think it's Not possible. We may misunderstand the rest of the world here in America. Anyway, um, I got you. Uh, that's pretty, so cash buy in Russia, uh, no, no prescription needed. You just walk in and say, Hey, I need no. insulin. Yeah. And you can still do that. So, um, I literally, I think if you well, remember when we tried to schedule this call, um, I went back to Russia for that weekend. Yes. And I was running out of my Novrapid back then. I'm on Fiesp right now. Um, and we just went to the drugstore and got it. Um, that and is I was it. fine. Yeah. That's amazing. So what's your, what is your, uh, what's your expectations for when you finish up with school? Do you feel like you'll stay in the UK or do you have an idea of where you want to go? Well, um, I've always wanted to do a gap year. So a year where I just go and travel. travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two places where I really want to go is Australia and Canada. So I'm hoping to do that for at least a few months after I finish uni. But then I'm kind of planning to go and do um, personal training, really, because I really enjoy that. Yeah. And uh, I actually specialize in type 1 diabetic personal training. Nice. So, um, yeah, I work, I do online programming and, um, yeah. That's cool. I Did you know that Australia and Canada are at the moment fighting for the number two position uh, for downloads for the podcast. It's the, America obviously has Ooh. the most, but Australia and Canada always going back and forth. At the moment, Australia has a slight edge. So I, wow. Canadians really should pick it up and listen to some old episodes. I'll go and definitely promote the po- the podcast there for you. <laughs> You're rolling I'm 100%. Up. <laughs> I'll haunt, uh, hand out flyers and stuff. So, Don't worry about that. So let's kind of dig into your, your growing up with, with diabetes. Um, did you? How did you find it to be? How involved with your parents? You know, what kind of technology did you have? What was that whole process like? Through like, when do you start thinking of yourself in your memory as having diabetes? Um. Well, I remember. Um, I was really well controlled. Um, always from the very start. So I had all my meals measured. Like I never ate school meals. Uh, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I had a special lady that um, took care of me during the day because my parents um, are investment bankers. So they basically, I didn't see them really. Okay. Um, and um, I don't even know when my first memory of diabetes is, to be honest. I just remember my, oh, well, my good memory is my grandmother used to do my long acting insulin for me. Okay. And I remember her doing my short acting instead of long acting. 
and it happened like several times and that probably is like the most uh, the biggest highlight of, well, of it, my it, childhood with diabetes it's, it's panicky right and you so you remember people like running around yelling you know she's got to eat a bunch of food or is that what you did after she you know yeah. what it was it was actually no it was just uh it was panicky but then it kind of came down and it was like oh i've got so much food to eat now it's how wonderful you know when you're like six years old you don't really care um you're just very happy that you've got a ton of chocolate to eat now (laughs) please six years old there are times when i'll i'll look at arden i'll be like hey you know we messed up so pretty much anything you want in the kitchen right now is yours and her face lights up and her eyes get very big and she's like "Ooh." Let me think about it. I don't want to waste this moment. <laughs> and, <laughs> how, how old is Arden now? 15. Oh, 15. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's quite a She's big girl now. Chugging along. So uh, everything's going going really well. Uh, I, I'm trying to imagine also what uh, what would get a, a woman your grandmother's age, I'm assuming, who grew up in Russia. Like what would actually make her upset? She's probably like, listen, this is nothing. And um, – <laughs> We'll persevere this like we persevere these winners and everything's going to be fine and that's that. I, I swear to you, I am having the hardest time not making ham-fisted like references about almost like everything you say. And I realize it's because I just watched so much American television and whenever like a bad guy would come in in the 80s, like you know what I mean? Like he, he was always like slightly of rush. Does that bother you? Like when you watch old television, do you see that and think like, why are we the bad guys? I need you guys to head over to touchedbytype1.org to see what their mission is, find out about their programs, learn what they're doing to build awareness, and even get involved in helping people living with type 1 diabetes. I first became aware of Touched by Type 1 back when they were dancing for diabetes, and I attended their Touched by Type 1 event. Of course, now they've rebranded to Touched by Type 1. I wonder what the event will be called. Something that started such a long time ago in one little girl's mind, if I remember the story correctly, in her driveway, trying to raise money for people with type 1 diabetes, became Dancing for Diabetes, and now today it is touchedbytype1.org. You have to see what they're doing. I make a point every year, no matter what's going on, to travel to their event and speak with the people who are supporting them locally in Florida. But you can support them worldwide. Touch by Type 1 has a wonderful program where they send information out to newly diagnosed people with help from people like you. So go check out their website, learn about the conference that I'm sure I'll be at, their awareness campaigns, their local things that they have going on, their international stuff that's happening, and that beautiful dance program. Take a couple of minutes to learn more about Touched by Type 1. I'd like to now tell you about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. This is the meter that Arden has been using for about a year now, maybe a little longer, but it is in fact the best blood glucose meter she has ever used. And Arden has had diabetes since she was two. She'll be 16 in just a month. That's a big statement. That's a long time and a lot of meters, but none of them have stacked up to the Contour Next One. And I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor. They are a sponsor because I'm able to say that. Don't think they were the only meter company trying to buy an ad on the Juicebox podcast, okay? I went with the one that I trust and that I know, and that I can tell you simply off the top of my head about. I don't need copy, right? Like, I need to tell you to go to contournext1.com to see if you're eligible for a free meter. But beyond that, 
they don't make me say anything in this ad. I can do whatever I want. And I'm going to keep repeating what I think is most important. The contour next one meter is accurate. It's accurate, accurate, accurate. I don't just mean to, you know, the wall. I mean to what your blood sugar is. Not another meter. It matches reality. That's the information you need when you're making decisions. And we all know test strips are a commodity, so we don't want to waste them. You know how many times you've touched a blood drop that's a little too small and it doesn't register. But with the Contour Next One, you can just squeeze out a little more blood and do it again. And you still get an accurate reading. Invaluable. Beyond that, great bright light for nighttime, easy to read display, not too big, not too small, fits in my hand nicely. I'm not always fumbling with it, you know what I mean? It just, it works. It's a meter that does what it's exactly supposed to do. And that's why I love it. And it's easy for Arden to carry. That's it. Contournextone.com. There's a little button at the top. You'll be able to find out if you're eligible for a free meter. And if you're not, ask your doctor to prescribe one for you. There's no reason for you to be walking around with an old busted up meter whose accuracy you're not even sure of. When you could have a Contour Next One. Contournextone.com. There are also links to all the advertisers in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Check them out today. Get yourself a great meter. Support touch by type one. You can do it. Get going. Use the links. Does that bother you? Like when you watch old television, do you see that and think like, why are we the bad guys? It just makes it really funny. It's just very funny, especially the how they do the Russian accents. And uh, if they have any Russian words in there, you can straight away tell that they're not Russian actors uh, or have never spoken Russian. Spoken Russian, sorry. Of course. <laughs> That's my Russian coming out, see? <laughs> yeah, just guys from Orange County and Ventura trying to put on a Russian accent that they only heard on television when they were growing up, probably. <laughs> right. That's great. Uh, um, I was going to say, you know, um, I just grew up with my diabetes being something that wouldn't bother me. So my parents kind of always told me, um, you can still do everything. Diabetes is just another thing you sort of need to take care of and it shouldn't stop you ever in your life. And I kind of grew up, grew up with it. Um, and I still think that way. Yeah, I think that's excellent. It, it really is. Um, did your parents, I mean, you said they were investment bankers. And again, I imagined you making like quotes, uh, air quotes when you said, and I, that's completely unfair. I'm sure your parents are lovely <laughs> people who do investment banking. Uh, but, but it was like a, it was like a scene out of the Sopranos. I imagined you were over there going, my parents are quote investment bankers, but it, it because. They, no, no, you know, they actually worked in American banks, uh, quite, um, a big chunk of their careers. So, I, well, maybe they're actual investment bankers, but you know, you're hoping you don't yeah. really know. Yeah. <laughs> great that's what they say and i didn't question you know it. we don't speak about business in our family so um yeah i i wouldn't know <laughs> Did you ever, was, was there ever like a, a shovel you couldn't decide where it came from in the trunk of the car or anything like that or no nothing like that oh we just keep one there like all the time it's just there <laughs> gary you're my favorite this is fantastic no i'm obviously joking but you know of course you are uh but I don't know if you are or not. I can't tell exactly. Oh, but exactly. no, I'm just, you know, it's the part of the uh, allure. Um, so you mentioned in your note to me that you had uh, kind of had trouble with eating disorders at some point. Can you describe to me when that started? 
So I moved to UK when I was 13. Um, I went straight into boarding school. I didn't know anyone. I absolutely hated it. It was probably the worst four years of my entire life. Um, and um, I, I remember I just, when I moved there, I cried like every single day. There wasn't a day when I didn't cry. It was very bad. Um, and then it just sort of turned into um, kind of a restriction situation. So where I was kind of punishing myself by starving myself because I thought I wasn't doing good enough. I didn't have any social connections. I wasn't performing socially well. Um, so that's kind of how it started. Yeah. But it was nothing along the lines of diabulimia or whatever it's called. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's only because I didn't know that insulin um, had the effect. Like if you don't inject it, you wouldn't um, gain weight. Right. Like I had no idea about that. Um, and I'm quite happy I didn't really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when I, when I talk about it, I do think like, is it better to just, you know what I mean? It's like one of those moments, like, should you in, you know, educate people so they understand, or is it dangerous to let people know who maybe would never find out? Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad too, that you didn't know And how long. So do you think this was a depression thing being away from home? Did you, was the place just a bad place or what did you um, I mean, it was an all girls school and I was used to a mixed environment. And in Russia, it's very uncommon to have like separate sex education. Mm -hmm. And then because it was a boarding school as well, we weren't really let out of there much. So it was basically like you can leave. I think it was once a week and you could only leave with a friend. I did have like a Russian friend there who we're still great friends with. And we could, we went out like once a week but like it's really you feel locked yeah, yeah just, and there's not much to do so was there yeah, a, i guess was there a big mix of um backgrounds there or were you like an out you know an outlier as being from russia or was there was there a real good mix no there was an okay mix there really um it, there were a few people from like saudi arabia but there were like chinese looking people like asian looking people mm -hmm. Um, a few people from India. Um, no, there were quite. It was quite a good mix. Uh, we had Russian people there as well. Um, and we, to be honest, in boarding, Russian people, we all struggled there quite a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah so, wow. my best friend had like a very bad psychological event there, um, which I'm not sure if she'll be happy out, uh, happy for me to speak about. But it was like very life threatening. So, um, yeah, we, we all didn't really do too well there. How was the education? <laughs> Did you at least you know come what? out brilliant? Um, I'm going to tell you, the school was amazing. Yeah. The education was great. Um, probably the boarding support wasn't that great. Um, by the way, the medical support wasn't amazing either, because when I was at that school, um, I was really with non-diabetic care whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So I sort of wanted to keep it in Russia, but then I couldn't really because I didn't go there very often. Yeah. So I didn't really talk to an endo for quite a few years, um, which is not very good. But yeah. How did you do during that time? Were you like, how did you measure your successes or was it just with meter like finger sticks or were you still getting A1Cs or did you even or? Um, I, I don't remember about my A1Cs. I probably was getting them because my mom must have pushed for them. Mm 
Um, but because I was with the eating disorder at the time, um, I had very low insulin requirements, uh, like very, very low. And uh, I was super active. So I did loads of cardio. And then I started to dance at the, um, while I was in my last year there. So I didn't need much insulin. And I was sometimes around the 12s. Oh, sorry. Um, God, I need to find a conversion table yeah, for you. Hold on, I'll pop one up too. Give me a second. Yeah, I've got it because I because I listen to the podcast. I always need it. Yeah, I you have to be honest. It. I need it too. <laughs> when it starts happening, I'm like, oh, that means this. Yeah, so it was around 216. Okay. Um, like averaging. Um, I but when I did activity, it went like straight down. Okay. Straight down. So you're like are you to saying literally you, the 36. Are you saying you weren't taking in a lot of food or were you vomiting or why, why, no, why were your needs low? I wasn't vomiting, thank God, again. Mm. Um, I was just, um, it was kind of more of a binge restrict situation. So when I went home for the weekends, if my parents were there, um, I would sort of just eat like tons and tons of food, like without any limit and then um during when i was at school i literally ate like um i don't know 20 grams of carbs in the morning um and that was more or less it and then i just corrected with juice for exercise if i had to gotcha. and that was it for five days in a row go um on. and then if i come yeah, go ahead no no i'm sorry and then if i was like back um back at boarding or during the weekend i wouldn't eat much either Okay. So it's basically starving yourself. Yeah. Were you depressed, do you think? Oh, yeah, I definitely was, yeah. <laughs> for yeah, sure. It sounds like it. When you would go home, that's air travel, right? Uh, no, no, no. So sorry, I didn't explain myself well enough. Um, my parents own a property um, in in England as well. So it was not so far from my school. But just because I was so young, I couldn't stay there by, all by myself. I see. I see. Yeah. Wow. That's a... That's a a rather grown up way for a young person to live. You, you know what I mean? Like that's a really, um, it's a lot of alone time and a lot of decisions for yourself. It is. Yeah. And actually, um, when I turned 15, I think I moved out of boarding cause I just hated it so much. And then I just lived in a house by, by myself, like without my parents. Oh my gosh. Um, which I'm actually not sure is legal, uh, legally allowed, but... <clears throat> it's, over, it's over now. Uh, you know, we're Russian, yeah. so I think it's okay. Yeah, they were afraid of you. They didn't <laughs> want to say anything. They're like, hey, where did she go? And they're like, never mind. It doesn't matter. She shows up on Monday and comes to class. We're going to let it be. I mean, yeah, if we've got a shovel, shovel in our like back of our cars, Who's that's, gonna mess I guess with that's you, fine. Yeah, yeah. No, no one's going to mess with that. I like this. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm, just, I'm still in the back of my head my only... Like frame of reference for my joking is the um the Russian characters in the Sopranos. <laughs> well, go ahead, use them if you if you feel so. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember them, and they're they're escaping me at the moment. It just all felt so comical now that I look back on it in my in my memory. Um, okay, well that's really crazy um, because when you're 15, you're just I'm assuming using needles and a meter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was in needles and a meter from uh, the. The point when I got diagnosed to um, until I actually went to uni and finally sorted my diabetic care. So it was only two years ago that they gave me this the flash the flash monitor. So is that when you you know 
kind of turned around what you were doing and how you were thinking about yourself is when you left for university? Um, yes and no, because it was only in the second year of university that it really struck me how bad the situation was. Okay. Um, I was just feeling really drained all the time. And because I had like super high blood sugars, I was feeling terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie. In the first year of university, I did go out quite a lot. I never drank much. But even if you're up all night dancing, um, your blood sugars will be like quite low. Yeah. And I was still really active. I was always at the gym and then running and doing different stuff. And I was always somewhere. So my blood sugars weren't like extremely bad, right? but they were up and down all the time. Gotcha. Hey, give me um, a second. Can you give me one second here? I'm going to do Arden's lunch bolus while we're talking. So, oh yeah, yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> so Arden's uh, having lunch and we, she says she's hungry. We're not, um, how do I say this? I, I, I don't, we're not conventionally pumping at the moment. So right. m- my direction to her is going to be going to sound a little foreign, maybe. How much? What is she having? I know you don't have carb count. Ah, okay. Hmm. What's in there? Grapes. I remember grapes. Uh, there's a half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's on... Uh, okay, a, so that's fats as well, right, which might right. prolong digestion. Yeah, I have... Um, hmm. It's interesting now that you ask me. Um, oh, oh. Uh, these little sort of uh, thin corn chips about 15 carbs of them okay and and i've decided this morning when i was sticking it all in the bag there was something else in there i remember thinking this is going to be 70 carbs Um, well i think the grapes are going to struck her and it was a bagel or a sandwich was it no it's a half a sandwich um okay the no high fructose corn syrup in the bread peanut butter uh the jelly is made with Splenda. I got that in my oh, head. Lovely. In my head, that's around 30 carbs because I know the bread's 25. And then the grapes and a clementine, I remember thinking, I remember putting them in and going, that's like 10. So now we were at 35. Huh? Then, then the chips, the little corn chips, I have 15. at 15. So, right. So, what do we got now? 25, 35, 40, like 55. And then there was a cookie of some. Oh, no. Two little tiny chocolate donuts, but they're really carby. Oh, so God. there's like 30 <laughs> carbs in those. So now I'm realizing 35, 40. Like 80? I gave her 60 here, and I should have done 80. So I'm going to just add a little more. I'm going to tell her we just I just under bolused. Do 20 more carbs. Uh, well, hey, carb counting it does help sometimes. <laughs> for, yeah, well, one hour. Yeah, well, I uh, agree. Yeah, I yeah, agree yeah, with yeah, the well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, we'll see what happens here. Uh, yeah. Now I got to see if she uh, if she saw that last one or not. Yeah, so we'll see. So, yeah, so it's my – so my goal here with this is I'm trying to drag this – um this insulin out over this timeline. And I'm trying to think, mm-hmm. I think it's going to hit her. I think this one's going to hit her two different ways. I think this meal is going to hit fast and it's going to hit, um, long. So I think it's going to hit hard. I'm and kind fast. of, um, doubting the long bit because I'm assuming you didn't put too much peanut butter in there. And then the bread is not too long. Like I never find it like acting too long for me. 
What's well, I don't know, it might be different. Yeah, it's 10:30 a.m. now and I'm thinking that the impact of this food is going to run over the next like 3 hours. Also, mm. we are completely um oh, I almost used the bad word. Uh we are we're completely upside down at the moment uh because we missed her pre-bolus time. It's the first couple oh, it's, it's the first couple weeks of school. Yeah. And she goes, uh, it's such a weird system, but you know, today she'll have lunch at 10 30 AM tomorrow. She'll have lunch at like five after 12, then the next day, 10 30, then the next day, five. Oh, that's it, a bit annoying. And you look, and, and I remember sitting down here today thinking, oh, we're not going to get to do Arden's lunch bowls because during the recording, because her lunch is at noon today, except mm. I was wrong about that. And so I lose track when it bounces back and forth. And the other problem is it's not like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. So wherever they leave off on Monday, it rolls around to Friday. It just keeps rolling and you just miss it. Yeah. So, I guess you'll get used to it. It's just the first few years. Now, oh, God, years, weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, please. Uh -huh. now, now, see, now I, I'm going to say, did you see the second bolus? But she's walking through the halls i would imagine right now yeah so i'll keep my eye on this and see if she's what was she at like what number oh uh 123 for you i'm uh, looking at it it's uh, 6.7 yeah. okay she might need mm, yeah she would have needed a bit of a pre-bolus yeah yeah it's definitely going to be um yeah a, a little she's extra. probably going to spike with it but yeah my 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 texts are hilarious now. I just got a message from somebody. They're like, "Hey, I just literally got a message popped up in front of me. Hey, Scott, can you please do a short podcast with Jenny Smith about the dawn phenomenon?" <laughs> like, <laughs> Ooh, dawn phenomenon. I suffer from that so so much. Yep. You won't believe it. See, I don't know how to do a podcast about that because do you? I mean, you know what you I'm know what I do. Say, okay, right? you know what I do. Right. I'm on Levermere, mm -hmm. um, and I wake up decently early. But regardless of what time I wake up. This, the moment I open my eyes, my blood sugar rises yeah. by like three points, which is thirty-ish points, twenty points, right. maybe. Say, say, it went from six seven to like nine four. That'd be one twenty to one seventy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that happens basically. But what I do, I have to pre-bolus my uh, my morning meal, which is my breakfast, like forty minutes. Mm -hmm. That way, I counteract the dawn phenomenon and also cover my breakfast. Yeah, you're really bolusing the phenomenon and pre-bolusing at the same time. Yeah, it, but it, I'm going to tell you it's insane. So what I used to do, 40 minutes is a lot. Yeah. Um, and I wake up at, let's say, I wake up really early. So like 5.50, maybe 5. If I wake up at 5.40, um, I then put pre-bolus at that point. And then I go to sleep for another 10 minutes. So I wake up at 5.50, get ready, get my breakfast sorted, and eat then. Mm -hmm. That's how it worked for me. But then one time I slept through that second alarm. <laughs> so, yeah, I stopped doing that. But, but then they moved me to FIASP. So I now need 35 minutes instead of 40. Yeah. I, well, listen, what you're describing, it's interesting, right? We'll talk about messing with insulin a little bit here. What you're describing... I, a lot of times I'll hear people say, I don't know what to do. Like my blood sugar is 170. So like nine and a half. Right. And, mm. and, um, I'm eating in an hour dinners in an hour. A wonderful pre bowl. Right? And I'm like, yeah, like go hard at it now. Like I'll, I'll say yeah. correct the 190. Right. And you can't get a 190 to go to, you know, 100 
in 45 minutes if you just put mm. in the, if you just put in the correction. So put in the correction plus a piece of the meal and get that No, right? you know what? Yeah. I'd I'd just wait maybe another well because I'm on injections. I don't want to be injecting like a million times. Sure. I still do, but I don't want to be injecting another time. I'd wait another 20 minutes and like 40 minutes before I eat and just inject the whole thing. Throw it in. Yeah. And you so that's interesting, right? There's a good breakdown. I'm saying because in a pumping scenario Let's say your blood sugar is 190 or it's 10.5, and you'd really like it to be uh, 100 or 5.5 when you eat. So when you, if you have a pump, you can correct the 190 and put in some of the pre-bolus to try to like mm-hmm. speed up the drop in that 45-minute window. And then, yeah. and then while you're dropping, when the food starts, put in the rest of the meal. But in your scenario, because you're trying not to inject yourself a thousand times, you're saying put in one good push and then wait about 20 minutes, about half the time till the meal starts, then put in all the insulin for the meal. And so it's yeah. like it's like two pre-boluses to conquer the high number and to get you at a point where you're sort of trending down at a better number when the food starts hitting you. Yeah, well, that's yeah. my other problem with eating disorders. So um, I know I do that myself as well, but sometimes 40 minutes before the meal, I won't be hungry. Mm-hmm. And then I might think, oh, I actually do want to eat, but now I need to pre-bolus. And I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't eat now, but then it's restricting again. So it might cause, like, it might be a trigger event to then binge eat again. Right, right. Which is a bit, it's getting a bit more complicated, but I've, like, I've just managed to kind of ignore that and I still pre-bolus and then still eat. Um, Because I'm pretty active, like, being a personal trainer and just training all the time. Um, It doesn't really bother me that much anymore mm-hmm. but well at the worst parts I know I have a friend as well who he can't eat if he doesn't want to eat and he won't pre-bolus at all like he'll only do the meal insulin if he sees it because he knows if he's going to eat it or not so it's a bit hard to pre-bolus in that kind of situation I have um, no real life information, you know, to, to inform what I'm about to say. It's just kind of how it's striking me in the moment. But I feel like, you know, you're in your second year of college. My son's in his second year of college. You're probably similarly aged. If this was, if you were my son talking about this, I think I would be looking into like therapy for you to try to figure this out. Are you thinking about that? You know what? I've thought about this quite a lot of times mm-hmm. um and i've actually tried it and it's never helped yeah so i've kind of been like well i've i've tried like three four times now and yeah it's just just not helping well they say you never actually properly recover from an eating disorder so i i'm not saying i have that now yeah but i'm saying a few years ago when i did think that way it would have been a trouble for me to pre-bolus I see, I see. and that is probably part of the reason why i didn't do that mm-hmm. no i understand okay yeah to be honest doctors never spoke to me about pre-bolusing anyway no i i, I can't tell you i must get three messages every other day that are that's just from somebody who incredulously says how could nobody have ever told me about this and yet it's completely changing my life and you know that's simple that, that simple idea i know yeah so um i when I started listening to your podcast, I was about an eight, 
um, A1C like 7.3 or something, mm-hmm. and now I'm 5.7. Um, and that is from pre-bullseting. That's tremendous. I, you know, yeah. you'll hear me say it, but you know, when people are talking and they're like, oh, there's a lot of ideas. Like, what do I do first? And, you know, I always talk about getting basal correct first, but yeah. the next idea is start pre-bullseting. Take a point off your A1C. You know, like it's like, it's like a free point off your A1C. If you just begin to pre-bullse, you yeah. haven't been doing it. I remember just coming to my doctors and saying, um, oh, I've got these like spikes to 20 after breakfast. Well, you see, I pre-bowled 40 minutes now. Of course, I would have had a spike. Um, And they were like, oh, you probably should look into changing what you eat for breakfast. I was like, no, I'm not changing my life because of diabetes. Diabetes should change for me. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm I'm sorry to do this for you. I just got a note from Arden who said, Hey, I'm completely lost on this bolus. Can you just tell me again? <laughs> I was like, okay, so I'm going to do again. 25 carbs, two hours. And then I'm going to do, um, I actually have her drifting. So I'm going to do 45 carbs, three hours. I'm looking for a bolus around 11 units. Is it suggesting? All right, let's see what happens. It's just so, this has never happened before. This is very, it's very honest and, and uh, mature. I said, uh, hey, did you see the second bolus? And she goes, I'm doing it now. Wait. Yeah. Then she goes, do I bolus both of them? Yeah. 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 Five and don't deliver. And then... Are you trying? Um, so this is to, so this is a um, loop. Slowly give, yeah. Yeah. So this is oh, this a is loop. a loop. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Twenty-five, two hours, and don't deliver, and then forty-five, three hours, and bolus. So I was trying to talk around it, but I guess I can't. So no big deal. Just going to keep going. So let's just talk it through. So looping. Um, looping boluses are impactful, uh, and more, uh, purposeful when the loop understands 9.85 units. Um, I'm just going to say, do it. We'll see what happens. Um, so it, it, when the loop understands the, the idea of how long you think the food's going to impact you, it's called absorption time in the loop, right? Mm-hmm. So the problem is if I say, Hey, do 25 carbs, um, that, that at an absorption time of two hours, that's really just me trying to get four units going. Right. Cause I know Arden's carb ratios now is like, yeah. s- like six point something for a unit. So if I say 25, I'm looking for six, 12, 18, 24, I'm looking for about four units to go in and mm-hmm. give, and give the loop the idea that that absorption time is two hours. That's me trying to kind of front load more of the insulin. I'm trying to trick the loop into keeping the basal on. And so because normally yeah. normally the way the loop acts is you put all the insulin in, and the first thing it does is shut off the basal to wait and see what the bolus does. But I know that the glycemic impact of these carbs is big, and I need the bolus and the basal. So the now the next problem is if you put in these 25 carbs at two, two hours and push, you know, bolus – the bolus takes five minutes or so to go in. You know, like it takes forever to go in. So I can't have Arden standing yeah. around waiting to put in the other half of the bolus at the three hour mark. 
So if you tell it, this is for people bolusing, it's a little trick. If you tell it 25 carbs, two hours, and then it gives you the delivery, don't deliver the insulin. You put in zero for the delivery and hit okay, and then go back and tell it end, you know, the rest of it, 40 carbs, whatever, three hours. Then that next insulin suggestion it gives you includes the two hour and the three hour window. And then you can put in one bolus, but the algorithm remembers that 25 of the carbs should impact over two hours while the balance of them should impact over three hours. So it's sort of a, it's an, it's not a, an easy way, but it's the way that the, the app works. Um, so that you only have, I'm not going to lie. My brain is, yeah, my brain's right too. Right now. Yeah, I swear yeah. to God, I don't know how she did it. <laughs> so the, so for people looping, the text says 25 carbs, two hours, don't deliver. 45 carbs, three hours, then deliver. I'm trying to get around 11 units. It ended up being around 10 units. I'm just doing it now to see what happens. The reason I'm just going with it is because about 20 minutes before you and I started talking, we did a little bump of insulin. So that 130 that you saw actually is, mm -hmm. one, is like 116 now. So I'm thinking I'll split the difference on that last unit and see what happens. Um, I'm sorry because that is really <laughs> – it is, it is really – just crazy. Oh, and one of It is confusing. So here's something. A JDRF chapter is going to have me out to do a talk where it's just me, which is really lovely, but I can't do their date. Oh, no. Gonna, That's I'm so gonna, annoying. I'm going to have to call them and see if we can work a different date out. You um, know what? I'm actually fundraising for um, JDRF UK. Um, I am doing a challenge when I'm going to be doing six spin classes in one day. No kidding. So I'm going to go. Yeah, I know. I don't even know how I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I'm pretty excited, actually. So um, I'm just I, I've contacted a number of uh, London spin studios and I want to go to all of them. Um, well, six of them yeah. and just do six in a day. And I'm fundraising for that through JDRF. And the reason for that being is I want people to actually be able to get onto um, diabetic management tools because it's very, very hard to get onto a Libre here, the flash glucose monitor or an Omnipod. Really? And I'm not like kid my life, but it's so so useful for a diabetic oh my god i are you kidding it's fantastic those you know a cgm is it's just so it's just you necessary. know it's a difference between living and surviving and it it's just so bad that people can't actually get onto it yeah yeah i um i would love to come to the uk someday and do one of these talks actually um and i'm trying to i tried working with the the jdrf in the uk to get um you know the young man who played at um, the royal wedding? He played the cello. I can't think of his name. I think his last Honestly, name's... no. No, I think his last name's Mason. <laughs> he has type 1 diabetes. So okay. I was trying to get the JDRF UK to get him on the show, and they uh, they didn't seem like they had as much contact with him as they needed to make it happen. But I yesterday was a really exciting day mm -hmm. for me. I, I'm pretty sure I booked the type 1 nation event in Georgia, um, I'm going to be in yeah. Kansas City. I think I just booked Central Pennsylvania, and I had a really good conversation yesterday with Wisconsin, with Arizona. I think it's possible I'm going to do about six of them in the next six months. Um, so I'm excited because you get to go to places where some people just don't know about 
the podcast. They don't know about the internet. They, you know, they, they know about the internet. They just don't, yeah. they, they don't have it as accessibly as they need it. Um, and you know, I, I love being able to get out in the real world, talk to people. Since it sounds like you're going to get to do the same thing. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about how you, how you talk to people about like, so how do you find your way into what you're doing? Like you said, you, you do, you know, um, personal training, um, is that something that you personal train from your own experience? Like you have such good experience with it that you're like, I can show this to other people. Like how do you get started with that? Well, that's a very complicated question because there is no qualification as such in the UK mm-hmm. to actually be able to coach people with type one. So I, um, basically I say I offer support with, um, glucose management and I do offer support and people will go as far as they want with with my help sure because i can't directly advertise it the only qualification that there is is um in the u.s so i'm hoping to go to u.s and actually get that qualification to be able to properly properly do it so if you had that you could go back to the uk and say i'm certified in the u.s for this well pretty much yes yeah oh that's excellent i mean listen there's a very good reason that the first thing you hear on this podcast is the statement that nothing you hear on this podcast is advice because it's, it's a weird line to walk. Like, you know, if you know something and you want to share it, but you're not, even if you are a doctor, it's, you know, talking about stuff like this is difficult, but it's necessary. And so like, how do you, you know, you got to walk the line, you need to do it correctly and you do it safely and like appropriately. But at the same time, can you imagine this is going to, please, I, I don't mean this like this, but what if I just never started this podcast? You, you exactly. Know, you know I, I mean? know. And so I can't live with that. You, you know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't get all of your notes every day and see you all online talking about your less, you know, variability, your control. Um, you know, I'm back to my life. You know, uh, you know, how do you just look at people and say, oh, well, too bad, you know, because I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, not supposed to tell you what to do and I'm, and I'm not, but you know, like, it's just a weird line to walk. You know, like even in, in UK, in US, I hear you always saying that doctors just don't really give you proper medical advice. Well, that's not what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) They don't give you life advice. Yes. They give you what they were taught by books because most of them are not type 1 diabetics. Right. Yeah, sure. And, and they have no idea what they're dealing with. Like, sorry, guys, but that's that's what it is. And some do, but how do you know which one you're getting? You, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, how do you how do you know which, which one you're getting? And if you talk to a nurse that's trained in, in the U.S., they'll tell you that they spent you know, three pages in a book on type one diabetes and that's it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I have a very funny story. So I came to my diabetic nurse and um I was quite like struggling a lot with my blood sugars. I was having a lot of hypos. And I showed you showed her my my graph um on my phone, um, the glucose monitor graph, and she struggled to interpret it. Yeah. And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> what are you even doing here? <laughs> Not Why helpful. am I spending my appointment, which is only 15 minutes, to explain you how to use the Libre app? Right. Man, that doesn't help me. I only have a very little bit of time. And the goal, by the way, is that I'm stuck and I'm trying to show you something thinking you'll look at it and go, oh, I see. Do this. And instead you're telling me, oh, this is a fancy little thing. How does this work? <laughs> I know. I really do pride myself now on um, 
on being able to look at a graph and get a really good feeling for what's needed pretty quickly. Um, and, and it just comes from practice. And if that nurse practiced the way I did, she'd see the graph that way too. I don't have a superpower. You, you know what I mean? Like you just, exactly. have to, you just have to see it over and over again before you go. I texted these words to a person that I know personally that I was, that I'm helping this week, this morning. I said, this graph is asking for basil. And, yeah. and she's like, how do you know? I'm like, just really like, look at it. it it's asking for basil. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see it, you know? And, and we made a small basal adjustment from a 1.2 an hour to a 1.4 an hour. And I'm going to look right now, blood sugar, 92. There you yeah. go. Right. It's a five, exactly. you know, amazing. All That's right. the problem with uh, Levimir because you can't adjust it hour yeah. to hour and you never know what your blood sugar is going to do this day. I'm very, very insulin sensitive. So even half a unit makes a huge difference to me. Right. Um, and I've, the last two days I've struggled with unbelievable hypos. Okay. Like it's just not coming up. And it sucks because in a, in a pumping situation you would dial your, your basal back and, but you're stuck in a situation where for whatever reason for these days you don't need as much insulin as you normally do, but it's in there. And, you know, and that's the thing I'm asking for a pump and they're saying I'm too good for it. I'm like, that's amazing guys. Thanks a lot. That's just really helping. (laughs) That's terrible. That's the answer is that your blood, your blood sugars are doing well. You don't need it. Yeah. Oh, that's not, that is because there is a criteria because it's all, um, government funded. So there are quite strict criteria for pumps and sensors and things. I have a lot of hope for the United Kingdom and Omnipod because I know that Omnipod is over there working really hard on making the pump more accessible in the UK. So I'm hoping so. I hope hope it doesn't take forever to work out. I know the person who's uh, one of the people who's spearheading it is a a, a good person and a bright person. And I, I think they can get it accomplished. So I'm hopeful. Let's pray for it. Yeah, no kidding, right? Because you shouldn't be told yeah. that. You shouldn't be told, hey, you only get low once in a while. You know, just deal with it. Like, what? It's just. But the sucks. thing is, I don't get low once in a while. I do get low quite a lot because I don't like seeing like a, yeah. a 162 or 160 even. So I correct it. But a half a unit drives me to like two, uh, 45, is which it? is not great. That's how sensitive I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that stupid? So if your A1C was higher, but you had a lot of lows, they'd let you have a pump. But if your A1C is lower and you have a lot of lows, you don't need a pump. Exactly. There is no common sense in that thought whatsoever. No, yeah. It's a line someone drew on a piece of paper and said, how are we going to save money here? Well, we'll say if your A1C is below this, then you don't need a pump. Yeah, well, because they consider us healthy with the lower A1Cs. Yeah. No, it doesn't really matter how we get there. Yeah, it does. And they should worry about the yeah. variability more so than the pump or more so than the, than the A1C significantly more. Oh my gosh. All right. Now you're making me upset because I thought the UK was a better place and they're just screwing you in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there is like fish and chips on every corner. So that must make up for something no? You know what? It's very funny. I've never had fish and chips and I've never wanted to. <laughs> I just don't, I don't get the English cuisine, to be quite honest. I have, a, I have a question for you. I mean, you might know this. You've been there now. Has, yeah, has, has the opening up that Brexit has allowed, are there different 
is the cuisine in England expanding because are people allowed to work more freely? Like, are you seeing more restaurants and people with different cultures come in or do you? No, I'd say it's a bit the other way around. Now people are leaving the UK with Brexit. Gotcha. But however, there are plenty of Polish stores. um, uh, Like the um, uh, Indian community is huge here. Mm -hmm. There's an, Asian community. There are tons of communities, even in London. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I study in Leeds, which is not London, so it's not the capital. Right. But the rest of the UK differs a lot from London. London is super, super international, whereas the rest of the UK is still sort of international, but it's completely different in the vibe and in everything in every aspect so just more british when you get outside of london yes exactly gotcha interesting well um i we are rolling up on the end and i wanted to know if there's anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we would have because i'd like to take the rest of that time with that if we do you know what um i wanted to say that there's a very good course that is offered by the national health care system here called the daphne course and if anyone is in the uk they should really, really consider doing it. Ask to get onto it. It's free of charge. Um, it's a week long, but it helps you get your basils right, understand your carb counting. They teach you to carb count properly, and you will come out of there a completely different person. D- so, D A F N E, right? Yes. Yeah, it's, it is. It's D A F N E dot UK dot com. It's not a website, it's just a course that's called like that. So if you Google it, it will probably come up with the NHS website. Mm-hmm. But when you go to your next endo appointment, just ask for it and get onto it. No kidding. And so it's a, is it a at-home thing? You do it on your own, you do it online, you do it with a person? How does it work? Well, so there are several options. They usually run it at a hospital. So the way I did it, I it was just literally a nine-to-five hospital course where you are there with another like eight ten people Mm -hmm. um, and they literally teach you just everything it's with two or three nurses um, and they talk about everything from complications to bolus not pre-bolusing but bolusing Um, they help you figure out your basils you do like a little diary for them it might sound a bit weird but um it's super helpful. Like it's a good place to start if you're really struggling with your agencies and it just your, in general, your management. Thank you. I appreciate you telling me that. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. I um, will do my best to put some, it's tough cause I'm Googling and it's bringing me to a bunch of different. I can send you, know. you a link to it if you want. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah. I'll put it, I'll put it with, uh, with the show okay. when the time comes. That's excellent. Um, yeah. And another thing probably I wanted to say is guys, be careful with fats. <laughs> because um every time i eat fats in my meals it just spikes me so badly afterwards yeah, so um you get that rise that that kind of fat protein rise that yes. you just kind of dress up now it's interesting you say this because your episode will go up like months from now but next week in my life and in, in the real world here with you and i um there'll be a pro tip episode between jenny smith and i that's all about fat and protein rise Oh, that is good. Yep. That is very exciting. It's going up yeah. on Tuesday. Uh, so hopefully that'll help you. But yeah, it's um, when Jenny was explaining to me and we were talking about what I see with Arden sometimes, it's fascinating because 
it's not what you expect. Like you think a piece of chicken, no carbs, this has no impact on my blood sugar, but it it does. Um, and I think that, um, I think it's going to be interesting for people to hear. So you'll, you'll hear it. Yeah. It's even worse with fats, to be honest, because, well, I don't know, you probably know, but the Mm -hmm. liver actually starts releasing glucose by itself. Yep. Um, which is awful. (laughs) Like it's just horrible. And the fat, the fat gets in your stomach and it slows the entire digestion process down, which extends the life of the carbs and, uh, all this stuff. Jenny and I are, I like the conversation. I can't wait for it to go up. And we're actually doing another thing. Um, so for everyone listening, this is, you know, go back like six months, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, we're, we're going to do, uh, I had a person who's, um, a keto, but eats ke- like a keto diet. Yeah, they, yeah. they came on and explained how they bolus for their food. And then Jenny and I are taking her description. We're going to listen to it. Then we're going to discuss it. So you're going to get to hear the description from the person who does it. And then Jenny and I are going to kind of break it down afterwards. So uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm doing my best over here. If I had more time, I'd do more fun things. But um, I'm doing my absolute best. Trust me, if everyone had more time, we'd all be doing more fun things. <laughs> it's true. Well, it sounds like you got a lot of dancing in. So I think it's a, I didn't. Do- well. <laughs> so is my, as we go out, and I, I, I swear, I, I'm going to have to cheat you for a couple minutes so I can make my phone call. But um, yeah. so so is that a, is a person your age? that's a good thing to do where you are? Like you go out, hit clubs, like go dancing, that kind of thing. You know what? I did that for one year and I, I just stopped enjoying it and I don't drink at all anymore and I don't go out anymore. I just work a lot, you know, you're getting older. I know. I feel like a grandma now. Uh, How old are you? I'm 20. Yeah. You're a 20 year old grandma. That's exactly what you are. (laughs) All right. Well, Terry, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this and taking all of my, like I said, ham-fisted jokes at the beginning uh, about Russia. Um, uh, please. Now come on. We love your jokes. I appreciate that. When you go home, please tell them to stop them manipulating our elections because we would just like to pick for ourselves if they don't mind. <laughs> I just really just want to just pick myself and see what happens. You know what I mean? Um, I'll try my best. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of a sweat you have, but give it a try. Um, thank you so very much for doing this. I hope you have a great day. Yeah, I hope you have a great day. Thank you for having me. Take care. Take care. Huge thanks to Daria for coming on the show and being so amazing. And I mean that. She was really just lighthearted and genuine. I loved having her on. Thanks also to the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. You can get that at contournextone.com or through the links in the show notes. And of course, Touch by Type 1 is available at touchedbytype1.org. And there are links again in the show notes of your podcast player or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Check out Daria on Instagram. She is T1Level underscore Daria, D-A-R-I-A. T1Level underscore Daria on Instagram. I've also put some links on the episode page for this episode. 342 is the number at juiceboxpodcast.com. There's some links to Daria's blogs. Check her out.